Good afternoon and welcome to Mediascope, the programme for and about the public relations, event management and journalism industries. I'm Ellen Gunning from the Irish Academy of Public Relations and you're very welcome to the programme. I want to have a word with Shauna Fitzpatrick, freelance graphic designer and PR for Creative Voice in Cavan. Thanks for taking my call, Shauna. Thanks, Ellen. How are you? Asher, not bad at all. Now, listen, we're a Dublin radio station, but I'm curious. Creative Voices in Cavan, who are they and what do they do? Um, well, basically, um, Creative Voices actually set up by two ladies in Cavan called Maura Williamson and Caroline Farley. So um, they basically set up a series of workshops like for art, music, drama. And it's basically to create like a safe place for people who want to just dip their toe into the arts. Um, so I actually just joined it like as a drama class because when I was young I loved drama and all that. So um, I actually became PR officer for that group. So that's kind of where my interest in PR or marketing activities. Um, and theatre obviously came from as well. Um, what are they doing in the pandemic as an item of interest? Because you said workshops, which I presume was about bringing people together physically. Yeah, well, they've actually set up a series of um, Zoom uh, workshops online. So um, they've actually could be completely booked out. You know, we would have uh, playwrights or um, singing classes, um, anything really to do with the art, art classes. So, you know, like most other um, groups at the minute, they're using um, online as a way of communicating. But they hope to get back um, when the COVID restrictions, obviously, um, loose and go back to the theatre in Cavan and and, um, and when you said drama um, did you mean that they used to do drama classes as in acting classes yeah yeah they did drama and singing um, I presume you can't do that online can you says the unimaginative woman but I, I can't imagine myself quoting Shakespeare to a, a Zoom <laughs> um, well yeah no like um, you know they could have like you know you could just have role plays or um, you know, it could be improvisation or um, we do a lot of singing classes and, um, you know, it's just more fun than anything and sort of um, communicating. And it keeps people sort of, creative, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Well, tell me now, I know you're a graphic designer. Did you also design for the theatre at any stage? Was there any connection there? Um, well, I just kind of designed the logo on that and I do all the, um, you know, the Facebook and any kind of PR activities. Um, I actually just went in, you know, to do the drama classes, but um, I got involved with um, on the committee and that. So I kind of. Um, you I just didn't know how to say no, so they roped you in, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that personality type well, honestly. <laughs> now, the reason I wanted to chat to you today is because you've written a brilliant blog about theatres and communications. Yeah. It, it's obviously the whole area of theatre is a passion for you. You reckon that, tell me a bit about theatres and what happened and how they pivoted when COVID struck. Because basically you couldn't come into a theatre anymore. You think they were particularly hard hit vis-a-vis yeah. cinemas and places like that? Yeah, like um, if you look at entertainment industries, like say for the cinema there, um, there was a brief period, I think around last July, where um, restrictions loosened and... Um, you know, 50, I think it was 50 to 100 people could attend an entertainment venue. So, you know, cinemas had the option of, um, you know, screening a movie a couple of times a day where um, for theatre, you know, that's not practical. They can't have actors uh, acting the same play over a couple of times a day. So they were probably facing more challenges, you know, and um, I actually was lucky enough to get in contact with some communication staffs in theatres. Um, and I 
asked that question, you know, what they found to be, you know, the biggest challenge for them. And a lot of them was actually not being able to plan, you know, they couldn't organise them. Um, oh, that's a fair point, yeah. Offence, you know, they couldn't um, book acts, you know, plan how they're going to market them. So um, that combined with, you know, loss of revenue, obviously, you know, the box office is closed. That's where they generate most of their um, revenue, you know, that and um, donations and funding. Um, yeah, so and they, I suppose have, it's harder to get donations or funding if the premises is actually closed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, um, But in saying that, you know, they've, they've been very innovative, you know, um, what I would say about them really is they had to just change their strategy from, you know, trying to get an audience into the theatre to, to essentially bring in the theatre to the audience. So um, that's probably where social media came in. You know, during the pandemic, we've all been, you know, increased our use of social media. So that was And did they the, actually make that move fairly early, do you reckon? Because like now nobody can go anywhere indoors still for and it seems like it's been forever at this point in time. We've sort of got used to it almost. Were they were they quick enough in moving the theatres out to the people or did it take a while? I I suppose like the rest of the world they initially thought this might be a month and then we'll all yeah, be back well, to normal. Yeah. yeah, it's probably like that. Like um there was a lot of different, like, well, Culture Night there, that was back in September, and they did a lot of planning for that. You know, they, um, you know, usually before the pandemic, we would go to concerts or, um, you know, you could you could go to an acting, cl- acting class, you know, interact with people. Mm. Um, but they obviously, they they brought that online, you know, they, and on television, you know, they showcased, you know, plays and stuff. And, um, you know, we saw, like, the Drury, the Drury, or, Druid, sorry, the Druid here in Galway, yeah. and the Abbey in Dublin, like they created like um, free and paper clicks and um, plays and event and events, you know, to keep their audience engaged. Like um, the Abbey there, for example, they had a very successful series of um, monologues called Home, um, where they had like actors like Brenda Fricker and um, the red testimonials of um, survivors of the babies and mothers' homes in Ireland. Um, you know, so they kind of kept what was current in in the news and it, that could be viewed on YouTube. And was that the one where, wasn't it the Abbey who found that when the lockdown came, they couldn't actually have a single actor in the theatre with a small number of people um, attending because yeah, well, because government said, no, you there's too much interaction. And they said, no, there's nobody else on the stage except one person. Uh, but it still wasn't allowed. Yeah, but yeah, so like, you know, a lot of um, theatres have embraced, you know, that sort of, you know, that they can't, you know, work together. You know, we saw like um, the Royal Shakespeare Theatre in London, um, they actually became a pioneer for like a virtual interactive play and they used um, a, Midsum- a Midsummer's Night Dream. So the act would wear like sensors. So um, they would render the actor into a creature. So you could be on your mobile phone and interact with that actor. So you could be like a firefly. Um, so I think what they oh, were hold trying on, to... Hold on, no, 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 no. You have to explain that to me. I don't get that at all. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a virtual interactive play where I could yeah. be a firefly. Go on, explain that to me a bit right. more now. So I'm trying to get my head around that. Um, so you'd have an actor dressed sort of in like a... Oh, what do you call it? he's got like sensors on him like sort of if you've ever seen like Beauty and the Beast films like that where, the, yeah. where they actually yeah where they where they have him sort of dressed in this thing and then they render him into um, a, a, the character of the Beast yeah. actually he's got yeah. a suit on him well that's a similar idea 
Um, so they do that with an actor. But when you're watching it, he is like a creature um, in the place of, um, I don't know what, what creature he would be. I don't know, maybe a lizard, I don't know. But anyway, there could be fireflies then in this little sensors and you could actually become one of these fireflies and you're interacting live with the So actor. can I actually land on him like do I know it's really me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm the, I'm the difficult character, right? Like, I'm the nightmare person to watch something on, on virtual interaction. But it sounds like a really good, a clever way of involving the audience because a lot of what yeah. people do when they're, they don't do it in theatre, but a lot of what they do when they're watching television is that they're actually interacting, they're commenting on Twitter, yeah. they're looking for other people to see, are they looking at the same thing and how are they interacting with it? So actually getting them into the play itself yeah. seems yeah. like a very good idea. Did, did One of the advantages, I suppose, of the pandemic is that it actually brought a much bigger audience, I would think, to theatre in some ways, so that if the theatre got it right, say the likes of those monologues, if mm-hmm. they would have shown that for, I don't know what the capacity of the uh, Abbey Theatre is, maybe 300 people or something. So let's say they would have run that for a couple of weeks and 2,000 people would have had an opportunity to see it. Yeah. But I presume you could have like 2,000 people watching in one night if they fancied it. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I think basically what most of these theatres, were, were their um, mentality behind it is that you know, to get as many people watching these, to keep their audience engaged, you know, even if people can't come in and buy tickets or um, that they're, you know, still involved and, they, you know, they're maintaining that loyalty with their audience. And um, No, you know, and it's pe- a great idea. And as you say, like the Abbey was very topical with the series Home. What did yeah. Druid in Galway do as an item of interest? Um, I think, um, I know they ran, a, what they actually did was run previous um I know there was previous plays they ran, like the play by the Western world. You know, they, they'd use maybe stuff that was created before and, you know. Oh, so it was almost know. like re-showing what some, they had previously in some recorded. Case, yeah, and some of them, some of them actually uh, uh, created, um, like a lot of the stuff was a lot of monologues as well. Um, but yeah, they would, you know, run stuff that was there before that maybe had been filmed there before the pandemic. And when um, you were talking to the theatres then, how many theatres, you said you spoke to the, the theatres and their communications or PR people about how they kind of coped with the lockdown. Did you talk to them all over the country? I presume you did. Um, yeah, well, I I, um, the, I got a lady from the Abbey and um, I actually got um, the Rainbow Ballroom of Romance in um, Leitrim. Oh, you cast your net wide, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, a lot of people, you know, I didn't get response as much as I'd like to but um, a lot of the places are closed because of the pandemic as well. So, and and um, it can be much harder to reach people actually yeah. to be fair. What do you reckon and it's kind of off the top of your head but how many of the organisations around the country do you think will actually survive and come back um, or will there be a lot of them lost? I'm thinking small local um, organisations yeah. that just won't come back. I think if, if they keep their audience engaged you know try and maintain that loyalty you know and create an awareness, you know, even if they're not, you know, generating a revenue, it that will help them, you know, when it comes to the time when they can open the doors again. There's been a lot of support though for for theatres, you know. There's been there was a stimulus package brought in, and um, the Arts Council are very supportive. Um, you know, it, it's going to be very challenging for them. But I think if they just, you know, keep doing what they're doing and keep their audience engaged, and you know, it will. Um, It'll you know, come it, good in the end. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it, it, 
It's hard to know. Nobody knows, you know, which... (laughs) All we can do is keep fingers crossed and hope for the best. Shauna Fitzpatrick, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed that chat. Thank you so much, Ed. Well, now, that's all I have for you for this week. If you have information you'd like to share with listeners or you have a good story to tell, send me an email to mediascope at dublincityfm.ie. And don't forget, you can hear podcasts of this and previous Mediascope programmes on www.irishacademy.ie. I'm Ellen Gunning. Sound this week was by Fergal Daly. My thanks to Shauna Fitzpatrick and James McCann. And thanks to you for being with me. I look forward to the pleasure of your company at the same time next week. So until then, goodbye.